Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. Here with me again is Rojan. Greetings, everybody. How are you? How's everybody doing? How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm. It's it's been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It really has. So. And we are old nerds, and I, I guess we're drinking. Yeah, we are drinking. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I'm enjoying my giant ass Uper mug that I got on my uh, up north excursion. This thing holds, I believe, one liter. Because I have one of those electric kettles that's two liters, yeah. and it takes half the kettle to fill this mug. I, I love giant mugs like that. Yeah. I, I, especially that style. People can't see it, but it's one of those like handcrafted kind of mugs. Oh, I'll post pic- I'll post pictures of it on our Instagram. Um, um, I, I love, like anytime I go to a show, like anytime I go on a trip and I go into the shop and they have those kind of mugs, I always get them. And I'm kind of, I'm a lazy ass. So I like mugs that are a multi-purpose where I can like, I can make a really good coffee in this or I can pour a nice right. drink in this or I can have a bowl of soup in this. Or if in the middle of the night when I'm really buzzed, I can go downstairs and grab it and pour a bunch of cereal into it and have a bowl of cereal at two o'clock in the morning out of the same glass, you know? I have a very strict embargo on mugs in my house um, because my cupboards are already full of mugs. Mm -hmm. I can't buy more mugs unless it is cooler than a mug I have. And at that point, I have to get rid of a mug to make new space. You should bug me when you get rid of mugs. Yeah. So, So, so So I still have to have something make the cut to replace this. Yeah. Um, But right now, I'm drinking loose leaf Earl Grey tea. With a uh, touch of honey, a splash of lemon, and a shot of bourbon. I am drinking the High West Whiskey, which um, is from Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you always have this bottle laying in the basement. It's one of my favorite bourbons, so I guess we should do the clink here. Clink. 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 Um, we have that bottle in the basement because I drink out of it sometimes, but also you gave me that bottle. Yes, I, got, I bought this bottle. I went out to Utah to visit a friend, and we went to the actual distillery, and I bought them there, not knowing that you can buy this in Michigan. I was like, great. And then we, as we've talked about many times, we have the two amazing liquor stores that are oh, biased. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're dead center in the middle of great liquor store land. And you're like, oh, yeah, they got this stuff there. You can go there and buy it. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> so when I go down to Florida for Bike Week in March, there is a distillery that's in St. Augustine. I may go there and actually buy you some because I know they don't sell the, the, uh, the bourbon from St. Augustine up here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So unless you suddenly go, oh, yeah, they've got it here. And I'll be like, fuck you. And then I'm going to open your throat and just make you drink the whole goddamn bottle. Uh, you know, deep throat the fucker. Anyways. Can, can I just say, like, I kind of love, I don't know if it's a hipster thing. I don't know if it's just a... I kind of love how... So, like, I like coffee. And I'm not a coffee snob because, you know, I drink my coffee, maybe, like, two parts coffee, one part cream. But I love the fact that there's all these crazy, unique coffees out there, and you can get them. And, like, I'm a little fancy. I get the beans, and I grind the beans in my coffee grinder. And I have, like, a little one-cup coffee machine maker. I don't have one of those gravity things that you pour... The precisely heated water in. But I like the fact that there's uh, artisan... I have a Keurig with one of those little cups on the inside you can put your own coffee grounds on. It's exactly the same thing I have. It's yeah. a just... the It's a wire mesh and yep. it's a little bit bigger so yeah. I can go a little bigger than a standard K-cup. Yeah. But yeah, I like that there's an artisanal coffee. And I like that 
people are realizing that, oh, you know, there's something more than just tea bags. We're seeing more loose teas now, and, like, you can go to tea shops and get all kinds of crazy teas. And what that means is I drink Earl Grey tea because Captain Picard drank Earl Grey yeah. tea, and if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. You see... I know the coffee's good, and I know the tea's good, because I buy my own coffee and tea. Yeah. Because my wife doesn't buy good coffee and tea. I don't want to talk about that. Oh. What I want to talk about is the dead Shang-Chi in the garage. <laughs> no. Um, the dead Shang-Chi in... Well, I, ha I can't use the proper wording. So. <laughs> um, okay. Well, no. Like, okay... How long, is, how long has it been since Shang-Chi's been out? A couple of weeks now, I think. Okay, I I, th I don't think we need the spoiler alarms for it. Well, uh, we're going to do it anyways. We're going to talk about Shang-Chi right now. Yeah, spoiler like, alert. And it, we're also going to talk about the What If Party Thor episode. There's a couple of What If episodes we got to cover. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, but by this point, if you haven't seen Shang-Chi, you either are never going to see it or you don't care if Shang -Chi. it's spoiled. Shang-Chi. 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 <laughs> so let's jump into it. Um, first off... What were your impressions of the movie? Because I think you liked it a lot more than I did. Holy fuck, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. This movie had no need to be as good as it was. And it was better than I expected it to be. And it was everything I needed it to be and more. Mm -hmm. um, this movie was so good... It made Iron Man 3 good, and Iron Man 3 is possibly one of my second or third least favorite Marvel movies. It is my least favorite Marvel movie of yeah, all of still, them. Still Thor The Dark World. Yeah, I I didn't mind Thor The Dark World. Actually, I didn't like Thor that much because it was too much of a compressed story, but it still wasn't a bad movie. Mm. Um, the only one that I can really look at, the only Marvel movie I can look at and go, that movie wasn't good, was Iron Man 3. It was the only thing that made that movie good was a, Robert Downey Jr. saved that movie. He was the only thing in that movie that was good, mm -hmm. and it, uh, they've retconned it pretty much, except with the exception of this movie, they've pretty much retconned it out of existence. Right. That's why I said this movie yeah. fixes Iron Man three. I. It, it wasn't bad. Even a bad Marvel movie is still okay, except for Iron Man three. But I was rather bored with it. I don't know why. I'm not sure we're sure why I was bored with it. It wasn't... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just getting to a point where I've seen too many superhero movies, but... So, so I will say this. The entire first act of this movie was just retelling Rush Hour. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh... Shang-Chi is, is the, the guy who knows everything, and, like, his girlfriend slash female friend who's... Oh, my God. She's been in, like, a bunch of movies, and I cannot remember her name for the life of me. Uh, but she's the fast-talking, street-smart one. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, fucking A, this is incredibly close to Rush Hour. To the point where the fight on the outside of the building with the ninjas feels exactly like the fight on the outside of the uh, building with the bamboo from Rush Hour 2. I never uh, really thought about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely an action-packed movie. I mean, mm -hmm. there's not really, there's really not any slow spots in it. I, I'm not sure what it was, you know. It, um, the Mandarin thing, I don't know. It, to me, it, it, it was funny. It, it was redeeming. 
but I'm wondering if they just shoehorned that in there to to try to make up for the uh oh we fucked up we need to fix this problem to no 100 percent that was just in there to fix Iron Man three yeah like it was really in there to just fix Iron so for those of you who have not seen it um, this movie is the return of uh, ben Sir Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Yes. Uh, as the failed actor who was paid by AIM to portray the Mandarin, um, who has essentially been imprisoned by the real Mandarin this whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and performs Shakespeare for them because the 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 army of mercenaries likes watching him perform Shakespeare. Which yeah, is, that was kind of weird. And the, the faceless little weird winged dog thing, cute, but like, yeah. Uh, but I believe that is a creature from Chinese mythology mm-hmm. um, but I can't remember what like so there's the obligatory scene where they cross over into the mystic realm where the guardians of the dra- the dragon guardians keep the evil soul eater things away oh my which God. is basically Cthulhu <laughs> Dra- it, it really, it's dragon Cthulhu it really is it really is uh, is it Cthulhu all the mythical creatures you saw despite people thinking they were Pokemon, <laughs> were actually creatures from Japanese myth. Like the they were. Te- the Temple Lions. Oh, my God, I those love were, the- Those were badass. They, they te- were. They looked so... They did. They looked really cool. The creatures looked really cool. Like, this, it wasn't a bad movie. It just... I just felt myself getting bored and kind of yawning at it, and I'm really not sure why, but that's, that is not me saying don't go see this movie. Oh, no. So I do go see the movie. It just... I, I just think it wasn't quite you, my thing. Okay. But... What do you think is the best part of this movie? Who? I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know. The Bing Kingsley stuff, though, I felt not really necessary. It was funny. Uh, I don't know. It, it had a lot of great little one-liners and stuff like that in it. You know, there are things that I liked about the character, the fact that he's a partier. Like, let's get off of work. Instead of going home go to bed, let's all go out and party. Like, the part, okay... The, the funny part was that they were, were Wang and him all yes. go to the bar. Yes, that is exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Because my f- absolute favorite part of this entire movie is the fact that in the second post credit sequence, when they're examining the Ten Rings and like you have holographic uh, uh, Bruce Banner there weighing in and on Captain it. Captain Marvel, and yeah. holographic Captain Marvel. And they're like, well, it's not Shi'ar tech, or I was going to say, it's not... Uh, alien technology and it's nothing that's in the mystic vaults and they're like well we're gonna have to keep an eye on this it's like you guys and wong looks at him and goes you guys get some go, rest go home and get some rest and shang shang looks at him and goes or, or. <laughs> and then it's like jump cut to a karaoke parlor and they're all singing hotel california yeah like that was Oh, I like that about I like that about that character as a superhero. It's like that's that's his thing. It's like you know. Okay, for for the record, and I am saying this now, uh, I love Wong more than I or I love Wong or Wong is Wong or Wang? It's Wong. Wong. I made that mistake. I love Wong more than I loved Coulson, and so help me God, if Disney kills off Wong, I will find somebody. What's weird. Well, first, let's go back to the Mandarin thing. Um, Going back to Iron Man 3, that was one of the things about that movie that pissed me off so bad was they took one of those great villains in Marvel history. Like the Mandarin was a big rival of the Avengers and Iron Man. And at the end, it it was nothing. And it was like, 
you just took a fantastic comic book character you could have done so much with and wasted them. And a lot of people that were like, that was their main gripe about that movie, besides all the Iron Man suits and everything that were just kind of ham-fistedly tossed in there. And it was like, you yeah, took that, a that great would be, villain and ruined it, you know? That so, would be like if you took... Darth Vader and said, oh, he's just an actor the whole time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Lex Luthor in Superman, but yeah, the, the, yeah. the same thing. yeah. If you took one of those major level villains and just made them nothing, you know, it was like, oh. And then, so that, I will give them, okay, I understand. Again, as I've said before, I would use the word again, Marvel course corrects. Yeah. So. Um, I absolutely loved uh, Tommy Leong. I, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Uh, but as the real Mandarin and the way he portrayed yeah. the Mandarin. Um, and those scenes where he's like, dressed up like a Chinese gangster movie gangster and like goes into the fight sequences are just superb to like nineties Hong Kong action. Did you notice the poster that was in the background? Um, what's the movie with the, the, the mob, the, the Chinese movie with the mobs with the hatchets? Uh, oh, Chuck used to love it. No, it's a, uh, uh, Kung Fu hustle. Kung Fu hustle. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah. In one, uh, uh, Shang-Chi had it in his apartment yeah, was he had a kung fu hustle because I I love that movie and I love the fact that in the movie Kung Fu Hustle one of the like ancient uh kung fu masters who lives at that apartment house his weapon is he has the rings on his forearms and that's exactly the oh. way they portrayed the rings in this movie. I didn't know that. Right. I did not know. It's been a long time since I've seen Kung Fu, Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, because there, um, there were three Kung Fu masters who lived in that apartment complex. There was the tailor, who was the guy who had the rings on his arms. There was the noodle maker, who used all the staffs. And there was a third one, and I don't remember what his... the old lady? No, she was a... a there were three other ones. Okay. Because then the old lady and her husband were even more kung fu masters. Because, you know, our, our mutual friend Chuck used to be my old boss. And he was like, you need to watch this movie. I'm like, he's like, it's, it's a bunch of kung, kung fu gangsters holding axes, doing line dancing. I'm like, this doesn't sound good at all. Oh, it's amazing. And we were playing, uh, I think we were playing War Machine or something over his house during a Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl ended and that came on. And I found myself watching that movie more than playing the game. And Chuck's like, see, I told you it was good. I told you. I'm like, this is amazing. But when it pops up in the, in the movie theater, I'm like, oh, it's Kung Fu Hustle in the background. How cool. How appropriate. Yeah. Um, I do like what they did with the rings, though. Rather than being rings on the finger, the rings on the forearms. Oh, yeah. I that... thought that was cool. Um, the whole going through the forest to find the porthole into the place was a little bit hokey. But okay, whatever. You know, I'll go that route. Well, again, so, that's... I, I, I feel terrible because, like, all my references for these, or all my knowledge of these... Asian cultural references mm. come from watching other movies. But apparently that's a big thing of like going through the forest and yeah. getting lost in the forest. That's the same plot of like uh, how in Spirited Away the little girl finds the spirit realm. Is yeah. he, she, she and her family are driving through the forest and they get lost in the woods and they find this abandoned amusement park. What I felt was a missed opportunity though is there was so many similarities between that realm and the realm where Iron Fist came from, Kunlun. And mm -hmm. it's the same kind of thing where a portal only always opens up at a certain time and you go there and it's a, it's like a, an Asian mystical realm where you learn right. Kung Fu and all this stuff. And I was thinking, I'm like, man, they, they could have 
but I don't know what they're going to do with Iron Fist. So who knows? Because that's part of the that that was part of the whole yeah, Netflix that, universe. That's still very much up in the air. Yeah, and plus, not a lot of people liked the, the Iron. F- I, I I didn't like the first season of Iron Fist. The second season was much better. Um, that that show was flawed for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like they are bringing back the Punisher. Uh, we know that they're bringing back Daredevil because he's been spotted on set with photographs in the new Spider-Man movie coming up um, as Matt Murdock, not as Daredevil. So we know that that's coming, and they've pretty much confirmed that Charlie Cox is coming back because everybody wants that to happen. But Luke Cage, I could handle Luke Cage coming back, and I could even handle Iron Fist coming back if Disney were fully behind it and doing all the writing and stuff like that and fully in control of it. Jessica Jones, eh. But anyways... I was looking at, I was watching this movie. I'm like, there's so many parallels between Iron Fist's backstory and this backstory here about going to this other mystic realm where it's all Asian and stuff like that. That I was like, man, I wonder, you know, it's like, it's, it's glaringly obvious here, but okay, whatever. I, I understand right. why they passed it over. So they get there. And this is another thing that I found really weird. So they get to this other realm and there's just this village there. And this village's job is to guard this mountain where Cthulhu is behind the mountain. And the the main uh, bad guy of the movie keeps getting a, a call to that mountain to help free his dead wife that he believes is inside the mountain. And they're like, no, that's not her. This is a trick. You're being summoned here to do this. And there's things in here that will eat your soul, which in turn power Cthulhu to break out of the mountain. And I'm like, okay, so they get to this mystic realm and here is this old Chinese village. Um... Just one little village guarding this mountain. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. I'll go along with it. I'm on this journey already, you know? Well, I mean, so, it, it, it's the same thing as, like, uh, uh, Brigadoon or the yeah. the other, like, this one city that's lost in time. Exactly, or exists, yeah. Existed. Well, they did say that that world was at one time more advanced and had giant cities and everything, and this creature oh, came yeah, through and destroyed Yeah, yeah, because when they showed it, it's they showed the mural of the cities, and it looked super close to Wakanda. Yeah. That was another thing. Like, this is this thing that Disney... Like, I'm seeing a repeating theme here. Like, Wakanda is another world that's hidden away. It's Of course, it's holographic. It's a world that nobody knows about. And you have to know a certain way to get to Wakanda to get there. Same thing with this movie. It's a world that's hidden away, and you got to know a certain way to get well, there Well, I mean, stuff. That, that's not a Disney thing. That's a trope of mythology. I, I get it. Like, I get we were it. just yes. talking about, like, yeah. like Brigadoon, yeah. like Atlantis, like, all these mystical lost cities. But by doing that, Marvel has other worlds that they can pull from. Because up until this point, it's just been like, this is Earth. This is everything happening. It's on Earth. Blah, 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 blah. You know, until Guardians of the Galaxy came along, which brought in the um, the universal cosmic. Galaxy, cosmic aspect to it. Now they're going into this other realm, this other, like, where these other pocket dimensions and stuff right. exist. And, and I get it. I'm here for right. the ride. I'll go along with it. So I'm just, like, pointing out. I'm like, okay, so this is where they're going now with this. But Marvel has so many different things up in the air right now that it's like, okay, we've, we know this is going on. And then we've also got the stuff coming up with the Eternals and you got the cosmic stuff going on. And then you've also got the stuff going on with Doctor Strange and you've got the alternate timelines. So Marvel's got a lot of things floating in the air right now. And this is what I was talking about last show. I'm curious where this is all, how is this all going to tie together I don't, in the end? I was going to say, I don't think we will know until... It's going to be a while. Well, I think what's going to kind of tie all these random plots into like one continuous thread is going to be the jump from Spider-Man No Way Home to Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Like like I think No Way Home is kind of going to end with 
like just dipping into the fracturing of the multiverses and then uh doctor strange is going to be kind of like oh okay well that happened now we have to deal with it i think what's going to happen because all we've seen thus far we've seen wong a lot of wong but we haven't seen sorry Bunk. about We've seen Wong, but we haven't seen Doctor Strange. Like, Doctor Strange would usually be the person handling this stuff. So where's Doctor Strange when all this is going on? So their timeline, they're like, what's happening at the same, all these events that are happening at the same time, it's kind of screwed up right now. They, they, they will put it all back together again. Well, no. Because so far as Shang-Chi, they've just found, like, as far as the greater Marvel Universe is concerned, nobody knew any of this until the the rings activated in the library mm -hmm. so like at the end he says when you use the rings for the first time a signal went out a signal went out yes and wong is the keeper of the library which stores all the magic items so he would be the one who dealt with this not dr strange see i think dr strange which i think will be explained in the spider-man movie i think something happens to him and he gets sucked into all the multiverse and he's absent right now well, while you, all this is going on. I was going to say, you literally see that happen in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Exactly. So that's the multiverse of madness is going to be Doctor Strange trying to fix everything and get things back to normal again. But right now, in the Marvel Universe, because even though we haven't seen Spider-Man yet, this is, that's probably happening at the same time that all this stuff is going on or just before all this stuff is going on. It's all happening. All this stuff is happening at the same time, but we can only see it one piece at a time. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's what I think is actually going on here. But I will say this, though, because Shang-Chi, we went into that not knowing really what to expect. That was like what, you know, the, this is a curiosity, kind of like what Guardians of the Galaxy was. Though I did find the movie boring, it wasn't a bad movie, again. So now I'm kind of, I'm really curious. It's like, well, if they could do, if they could do this with Shang-Chi, you know, maybe the Eternals won't be so bad. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I still, we're gonna, I know, I know. We're going to see what's going to happen, though. And uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, we've spent I know that. so much. Yeah. I know. All right. All right. So let's just move I'm on. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's just move on to what if. Do you want to talk about the zombie episode first? Uh, the last, what was the last episode we discussed? I. Uh, it, it was it was before the zombie episode. So the zombie I think, episode. No, I, think, was I was gonna say I think it was uh, T'Challa as Star Lord was the last one we discussed. Yeah, because then after that is what if all the Avengers were killed off, mm -hmm. and I don't think we talked about that, which is uh, another one of it turns out it was Hank Pym just fucking up the universe, mm -hmm. and 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 kudos to them they, they they actually got Michael Douglas to come back and voice Hank. I'm surprised what character, you know, it's Pym, right? Not Pym. Pym. Yeah, I, I know. I, it's a mental block. I get it. I understand. Um, I'm surprised what people have come back to do voices and what ones haven't come back to do voices thus far. Um, well, so far it's uh, Drax. So Batista didn't come back to do Drax. Which we all understand why. Um, and Scarlett, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, we all understand that. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. didn't do... Uh, um, well, parts of it were his voice, but they lifted those right from the movie and just right, put them in. Right, right. Um, and then uh, they revoiced Shiri for the last or for the episode where "What if Killmonger helped, saved Tony Stark?" Mm -hmm. But that was, I think, that was because 
it screwed with the timeline, and when they went to Wakanda, she was younger than she would have been in the Black Panther movies. Because she was, like, almost a child in those movies, whereas by the time they show Black Panther, she would have been a teenager. Yeah. Because in the Marvel-ish timeline, when he went back to Wakanda, was just after what would have been Iron Man 1, so that's, like, 10 years earlier. I didn't realize this, though. I, you know, I kind of thought about it, but I didn't think about it, that Killmonger's outfit, he's a big fan of Dragon Ball Z and Goku. Mm-hmm. So his outfit is actually direct copy of Goku. I have not seen a single ever episode of any Dragon Ball show, so I could not tell you to you save just my life. Google a picture of Goku with his yeah. with his armor on, and because that, that's I guess he's a huge fan of anime. And in the episode where they're talking about, he says, "Well, I guess we're gonna have the world's most expend- expensive Gundam." Then um, that was because he wanted that had that in there. So they said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And they put yeah. it in there. Um, that was a pretty cool episode. I like, they're all very grim up until the last one. Yeah. They're all very grim. They started getting real dark dark there. Yeah. The Dr. Strange one getting, or or how, how that one ends. We were like, holy crap. Like still, that is the darkest I have ever seen. Yeah. Like even for a TV show, like that was dark. Yeah. Um, we're watching that going, man, even like that in the zombie episode, we, we watched, we not watched them. We're like, fuck man. You know, like, yeah. Wow. And and the only, the only saving grace for me of the zombie episode was the total nod to Futurama floating head with, well, it's not just the fact that it was Scott, Scott Lang's floating head, but it was also the fact like if, when he, he wore the cloak around him. That was exactly the outfit of uh, Al Gore's floating head because Al Gore was Emperor of the Moon. Mm-hmm. So in one of the episodes, Al Gore shows up and he's a floating head in the jar with a cape on. Kind of a wild reference to toss in out of nowhere, though. Yeah. I yeah. wonder what the backstory about why they put that in there was. I'm sure there is absolutely, I'm just making this correlation, but they just needed the cape to float him around so nobody was carrying his head. I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That episode, I went into that episode not wanting to like it, but it wasn't that bad. Oh, I went into it not wanting to like it. And I know. Still... Me and you both were like, eh, zombies. Yeah. I mean, I still, I'm still, i still not a zombie fan, but it was it was better than I expected it to be. The only way I will accept, because of course, after they showed that episode, there's all these articles going around on the, the clickbait Marvel sites like, Oh, Marvel's greenlighting Marvel Zombies movie. And it's just like, the only way I will accept a live-action Marvel Zombies movie is if they do it like the Marvel Zombies comic book, cross it over with uh, Army of Darkness, and have that be Ash's, Bruce Campbell portraying Ash, showing up, and that is his introduction into the Marvel Universe. That's not going to happen. Well, of course it's not going to. Well, (laughs) well... Could be. Well, Sam Raimi's back. I don't think that's going to happen. I really, really, really doubt. Well, that I that's absolutely going to not. No, it's not going to happen. But you damn well better believe that whatever uh, in Sam Raimi's movie, there's going to be a Bruce Campbell cameo. Well, the zombies are coming back. Just like there's going to be a Ted Raimi cameo in whatever movie uh, Sam Raimi's making. The, the zombies are coming back in What If? There is there is a scene out there. Where the two Doctor Stranges meet up, the current Doctor Strange, he meets up with the dark Doctor Strange, 
and because uh, there was a promo made for this. And they're like, because now we all know what's coming. That the big, the big bad guy of all of this has been revealed in the last episode. And Doctor Strange shows up and meets Doctor Strange and says, "What are we going to do?" And he says, "How about zombies?" So Doctor Strange brings those zombies in to help fight the battle that's coming up. Apparently, from what I understand, mm. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but they brought them back. Well, let's see. Um, this was episode seven, so if they follow the same, there's only nine episodes. Oh, there's nine. There's thought... nine episodes. There's nine. Oh, I thought it was eight. No. So I figured the next one's going to be the last one. But from what I understand, there's nine episodes. I could be wrong, but from every because I follow this stuff real closely. There's a few sites that I go to that mm-hmm. are dead on on their predictions, and very rarely are they wrong. Um, there's Emergency Awesome, which is pretty good, and there's another one called The Cosmic Wonder. Those two guys on YouTube have been ninety percent accurate about most of the stuff that they've called. Um, and when they're wrong, they call it out. Yeah, we were wrong on this, and we were wrong on that. But they're both very, very good at pulling the stuff out, and most of the time, yeah, they're right. But they're also very good at saying, here's the, cl- here's the clip where this is stated, so we're not just, you know, doing clickbait or what have you. Like the five times we predicted that something was going to be Mephisto and it wasn't? Yes. I've, um, just, I've just given up. Mephisto's never going to be in there because we kept predicting it. No Mephisto. We don't know. He might be in the multiverse of madness. We don't know if he's actually the one still pulling the strings behind or not. I don't think it's going to be that way. Um, apparently, the new the new heavy rumor that's going around is that... The young Professor X, uh, because Patrick Stewart, I guess, turned it down. But now they're saying that he he might not have. Uh, Hugh Jackman definitely turned it down. He's gone on record saying specifically, I do not want to come back as Wolverine because we ended that movie on the, the note that we ended on on purpose. So they're going to recast Wolverine. Even though they could bring him back, they're not going to. But Patrick Stewart, there's a chance that him, he's coming back or the younger one's coming back. But Professor X is coming back. And it's supposed to be in Multiverse of Madness because that's he's the one that takes out Wanda. Because Wanda, that, it, even in the comic books, Professor X was the only one that could reel Wanda in. So, yeah, we, we'll see what happens there. But uh, anyway, so... Here's the thing, though. When Disney goes to Hugh Jackman and says, here is a literal dump truck full of money and... We'll let you do two musical movies. Hugh Jackman might change his tune. I don't think he will. Because Hugh Jackman really likes doing musicals. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. His new movie that's on, uh, I believe it's on Netflix, really cool. Really, really cool. You should watch it when you can. Speaking speaking of Netflix, well, actually, I hate to say it because it's on uh, Apple TV, but have you seen the trailer for uh, Finch? No. No. So it's a post-apocalyptic lone survivor movie with Tom Hanks as the survivor. Hmm. And he built, it's like Tom Hanks, a dog, and then he builds this robot. And it, it's him training the robot because there was, the apocalyptic event was there was a solar flare that wiped out all the crops, possibly destroyed the, uh, the ionis, or not the, the ozone, and... There's all these mega storms that are coming and they're going to destroy where his shelter is. So he's got to move and he's got to teach this robot how to help him move. But, you know, it, it's Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks with a robot. So it's Castaway in the future with a robot. Yeah. Castaway where Wilson's a robot. And, and, Wilson! And I am totally down for this. If it was on anywhere but Apple TV... I would watch it. There, well, we'll get to that because we're going off course, but I'll get to, I'll get back to it in a second. Um, let's talk about Party Thor. 
Party that was Party the, Thor was a great episode. That was the what if episode I needed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like everything about that episode was the what if episode we needed. To I kinda... laughed my ass off. My oh, wife laughed her ass off. It was so good. Like everything about it from like uh, Thor getting into a one night stand with Jane Austen. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck and Darcy like getting ho- married. Like having a quickie, uh, yeah. quickie Vegas marriage. Yep. Um, Oh man! It, and then Loki showing up as the Frost Giant, and they're still just buds. Yeah, they're they're, they're like they're brother from another mother. Brother from another mother. Yeah, <laughs> and Loki's really cool. <laughs> you know, there was so much about that episode that was just great. And like Surtur hitting on the Statue of Liberty, the arm off. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. Um, what's funny, like, and then Shield shows up, and the reason they want to stop Thor. Is specifically because these parties are breaking out all over the world. Anywhere Thor goes turns into a massive party. No, it was because uh, Jane told S.H.I.E.L.D. that the last place Thor had been was this star. And after Thor was there... It it died. Yeah. So they think it's this world-ending event. And then when it turns out to be a party, S.H.I.E.L.D. just still thinks it's this world-ending event. So they got to call Captain Marvel to show up and get into a fight with Thor. And they're they're about ready to launch nukes. And they're like, what about Captain Marvel? Like, she'll be fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And Captain Marvel, in in true form, is just being a bitch. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I really don't like that character. But anyway, yeah, so... And, and Thor's just like, hey, what's up? Let's party, you know? And yeah. then how they get how they get him to stop is Jane Foster figures out that he has a mom and gets in contact with Thor's mom and calls mom to come to Earth to break up the party and clean shit up. Thor's like, come on, Loki, you got to help me. He's like, yeah, we're brothers, but from different mothers. And yeah, she's we're out of here. Yeah, she's not my mother. She's not my mother. And Thor's like, oh, my God, everybody help me clean up. And they're oh. all like, nah, we're leaving. You're a party pooper. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And, like, I'm watching the credits of, like, like the opening credits, and I'm like, Oh, oh, okay. Seth Green's in it, so yeah, we know it's Howard the Duck, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, Jeff Goldblum's back. Yep. Oh, Tika Watiti's here, so we're gonna have a Korg sighting. Yep. And it's just like, yep. holy crap! It it's hit all everybody. of the funny right notes. Yeah, and it was great because every episode, well, most of them have been they've just ended on really downer notes, and it was you know up up to the very end, which is funny because me and the wife were talking. I'm like, where the hell is Ultron during all of this? And boom, Ultron shows up at the end. The mask lifts up, and it's actually Vision because Ultron took over the Vision's body. Right. Which didn't, you know, because things went differently. And he's got all of the gems and stuff on him. Like, he, his whole body is the gauntlet. And so he's the ultimate baddie. And this is where everybody has to come together from all of these different storylines to fight Ultron. That's that's the it's the Guardians of the Multiverse Avengers is what mm-hmm. it's going to be. So, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to, you know. But the... It was just a great episode. I mean, this it was probably one of the best what if episodes, and it's already been greenlit for a season two. We're getting oh, yeah, more what yeah. and I it's mean, funny because we went into this thinking, "Wow, we really don't care about this. This is going to suck." Blah blah blah. Uh, fuck you. No, I have been one hundred percent about what if. Really, I ever. I, oh, dude, because I never cared about them, and I, I thought you didn't care either. Oh no, no, because like I remember Marvel What If as a comic. I still have issues of Marvel What If as a comic. Well, what changed it for me is this is now canon. Whereas in the comic books, it wasn't canon. And if it wasn't canon, I didn't care about the stories because it didn't have any greater impact on the whole comic book lines. But this, with the alternate branching timelines and what happened in the Loki show and everything, these episodes are now all canon. 
So I'm like, okay, this this changes things now because now it's not it's not just what if and it's a meaningless storyline that's going to go nowhere and nothing's going to happen. Now Marvel can reach in and pull from these things because they've they've already said that um, Captain Carter is coming back in real live action in live action. She's going to be back at some point or another, which is cool because th- that show that she did before when it, before they got rid of it was a great show. Yeah. Which, what the hell was it called though? Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Duh. I keep wanting to say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it wasn't. And I liked that better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was like, sorry, two seasons, we're done. And everybody's like, what the fuck? What do you, what do you, what is this? What are you doing? You know, and she was more than happy to come back. So yeah, great. You know? Well, uh, going to like going on, to call back to something, some other topics we've been talking about is uh, 3D printing. There is a, a creator on the internet. Um, he used to just sell out of a web store, but now he's running a Patreon. And what he has been doing is there is a miniature game for Marvel superheroes called Marvel Crisis Protocols. And this guy has been modeling all the characters from the What If series as STL files that you can print off to play with Marvel Crisis Protocols. So I have all the stuff he's done so far, but he's done Captain Carter. He's done the uh, the Hydra Smasher Iron Man suit. He did Star Panther, which also gave him an excuse to do Yondu, who hasn't had um, a Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, he did Scott Lang's Floating Head. Yeah, that's uh, you showed me that when I got here. Actually, he, he sent to me a couple of days ago. I'm like, you son of a bitch, did you print that? You're like, hell yeah, I did. Do you want one? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah, print me one. He did like a whole a whole tribute to Doctor Strange. So he did like the evil Doctor Strange. He did Doctor Strange in his hoodie with his coffee mug. He did from the uh, No Way Home trailer. Uh, he did a couple of the Marvel Avengers, but I or the Marvel Zombies, but I. The only reason I got the Marvel Zombie set was because it had the Scott Lang floating head. Mm-hmm. Um, but something else I want to bring up, which probably won't matter a lot to you, is because we're talking about Apple TV, um, and I'm not going to get Apple TV, which kind of sucks. Have you were you a reader of the Foundation series at all? Have you seen the trailers for the Foundation series? No, I haven't. I've specifically avoided them because I don't have Apple TV, and I'm not going to pay for it just to watch that. I will find a way to watch that show. It's um, that the, Foundation was a really great book, but it was written by Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov writes really cool sci-fi, but it's very dry sci-fi. Yeah. It's not really any other way to put it. And the Foundation series takes place over thousands of years. And it's one of those, it's like Dune. It was like, how the hell are we going to make this book into a movie? And everything that I've seen of it, it looks really good. It's very Dune-esque in its cinematography and, and its look and appearance and all mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Um, so I'm really looking forward to figuring out a way to watch Foundation. I'll find a way to watch it. Right. If I have to pirate it, I'll pirate it. You know, come get me and knock down my door for saying that, but I'm going to watch that show in one way or another. Um, oh, oh, that, that actually reminds me of something else I, I found out today. Um, so for people who know the board gaming industry, uh, there has a well-known name for many years in the board game industry is uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Yes. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games has done some amazing stuff. They did... Uh, They've also done some crappy stuff, but on the whole, their games are very cool. Yeah. They did uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did uh, the, a lot of the living card... They like they basically invented the idea of living card games. 
They did the World of Warcraft board game. They did the World of Warcraft board game, and their big claim to fame was they did the X-Wing miniature game, yes. which for a while was like the the number one miniature game in the world. Um, so they have, over the past few years, uh, Fantasy Flight Games was bought by Asmodee, which is another big name. They're like a big distributor. Well, today it was just announced Asmodee had been bought by a venture capital firm. And right now, Asmodee, they just announced, is for sale for 2 billion euros. And a lot of people in the board gaming industry are worried because um, Fantasy Flight first, they were making X-Wing. They had a fleet-based game called Armada. They had the Star Wars Legion video game. They had the Star Wars Living Card game. They, they made the tabletop miniature game too. Did they not? Yeah, Star Wars Legion. Yeah. Uh, they did the. Which Star- wasn't bad. Uh, they put out a new version of the Star Wars RPG uh, that a lot of people liked. Uh, and then when they got bought by Asmodee, Asmodee basically canceled everything but the X-wing game and the spin-offs of that. Like the the living card game, they ended it. There was. It was a collectible dice game that they put out two expansions for yeah, and killed it. Was it. Dumb. And it, it, there were the writing was on the wall that they were cutting lines to make it as profitable as possible. They completely cut out their role playing division, so all the fantasy flight role playing games Man, just were canceled. Companies do that, yeah. And now the the writing on the wall is that. Somebody is going to buy Asmodee, cut it up, and a lot of those board games may just go the way of the dodo. That sucks because, like, I remember Fantasy Flight games when you, they were expensive games. Mm -hmm. But when you opened up a box of a Fantasy Flight game, it was like Christmas. I mean, you had lots of miniatures and cards and coins. Like, they were really, like, you got what you paid for. You paid 150 bucks, 160 bucks for a Fantasy Flight game. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was loaded with shit. Like, they were just cool games, you know? Even the small, I had a couple, I have a couple of Cthulhu-oriented games at the house I still have not yet played. But anytime you opened up a Fantasy Flight game, you got a lot of cool shit. Oh, yeah. Like, you didn't even know what the game was. You're like, look at all this shit. There's monsters, there's miniatures, there's cards, there's coins, there's there's all kinds of neat The board is massive, you know? And um, For a while, Fantasy Flight had partnered with, uh, or licensed... Uh, Games Workshop to do some 40k and Warhammer Fantasy games. Yeah, they I did, remember that. Yeah, they did a Warhammer 40k version of Talisman, and like it was beautiful. Like mm-hmm. the the art, they commissioned all new art for the cards. They had um, these beautiful sculpted busts for all the players, factions, mm-hmm. and like I bought it just because I wanted to have those busts to paint it, and. Yeah, but like I have a lot of Fantasy Flight games on my shelf. I have a few. Yeah, and some yeah. of them I've never even played. I've opened them up, looked at them, go, "Wow, this is really cool," and then put it back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Never play it. So this broke on somebody a very high up I know in the board gaming industry's personal Facebook page, and I've seen it retweeted in a couple of other places, and and they're saying, "Yeah, if you if there's anything you like that was published by Fantasy Flight or." or Asmodi or any of their other branches, pick it up now because likely all these places, all these games are going to go by the wayside. That's dumb. Yeah, I mean, especially now, this is like, this is the rebirth. Well, I don't say rebirth, but this is like the golden age 
of geekdom and tabletop I mean, gaming and stuff like that. So, so I wouldn't say it's the golden age, but it's a it's a age of enlightenment. We'll say, yeah, because uh, COVID made gaming a big thing again. People mm-hmm. were stuck at home with nothing else to do, so families bought board games for the first time in ever because. Hey, it's I can only be with my family and we're stuck at home, so let's buy some board games to play them or some card games or things well, like that. Well, there's a few people that also played virtually. We had a Ex- tabletop simulator and me and Banjo would play, you know, we would play games and there was a few people that I was online with that I'd never hung out with before ever, just talked to the messenger. We would all meet up and play virtually online, you know, games, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they were some of them were fantasy flight games. For a company to come along and to gut all this, it's like, why are you doing this now? You know? Fuck venture capital. Like, fuck the idea that of buying things just to cut them up and resell them as a profit. And, like, this whole, like, holdover of 80s mentality of we're going to come in and we're going to take industries that are doing well by themselves and then we're going to institute lean business practices to make them seem like they're more profitable so that somebody else buys them and then realizes that we've got the industry like we've got all the good parts out of them and just left the shell but what that does is that's just going to form force gamers to go these developers and stuff to go to kickstarters which is what's happening there's all kinds of people that are like, hey, you know, I'm a prominent game designer. People know who I am. I'm making this game on Kickstarter. And people just buy the. It's it's like, it's what happened with the record industry, you know, where people come in and took over the record, all the music and stuff like that. So bands just started going out and releasing their own stuff and, you know, doing it on like Bandcamp and things like that. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon you're going to have a situation where people are like, well, we don't need you anymore. You know, like the game developer, it's like getting a record contract. We like your game. We'd like to buy your game and put it through our company what have you, et cetera, so on. Well, now you don't need that anymore. You don't need companies like Fantasy Flight. You can just go on Kickstarter and say, here's my game, blah, blah. And it happens. People make games and put them out that way. You know, uh, it, it, it Oh, can, my God. I have so many Kickstarter games on my shelf. I mean, it, it, it has backfired. It has backfired many times. It backfired with uh, the whole Palladium thing with the... Oh, my um, God, the Robotech Yeah, the Robotech game. thing was a, a big debacle bad. Like, this is what can go wrong by doing this. But that doesn't happen all the time. So, so I've... I've only been totally, absolutely burnt on two Kickstarters. Um, one of them was supposed to be a re-release of Tales of the Floating Vagabond. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's old. That's that, my... I'm older than you. That, that game was around right. when I was a kid. Which it was... And, and, and it was terrible. It was... The guy who originally wrote the Tales of the Floating Vagabond did this... Did a Kickstarter to do a new edition of it. And it was, it got traction. I think I put like $100 into it for like all the extras I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but then very shortly after um, he, the Kickstarter funded, he had several terrible health problems. Like, like he was in a coma for a good long while. And that's not mismanagement. No, that, no, no, that's... 100%. And, yeah. and, and unfortunately, he eventually passed away from his medical issues. And it was just sad that like, we're never getting. We didn't get a new version of it, not because he mismanaged, but just because his his health gave out. And and in addition, we lost a a prominent member of the old guard of gaming. Yeah. Um. Then there was another one that was for a. Uh, it was for a board game called Hollywood Death Race. 
and it was essentially like a a like Formula D racing game, but instead of just having little generic cars, you were racing as like the A Team Van, Ecto One, and all of these, and it looked really cool. And I should have been weary because it was based in France. Uh, and, and I try to steer away from like international ones, uh, but I, I, it looked really cool and I really wanted it. And yeah, the guy took the money and then like disappeared. See, yeah, that's that that sucks. Yeah, and like it Palladium was, with and the robot like, was this huge mismanagement. Yeah, like it, Rifts itself, the, the Rifts rule system is a cool rule system, and I like the fact that you can. It's 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 kind of like um, what's the other one that me and you play? The uh, Savage I, Worlds. Savage. Yeah, I'm having a stroke. I can't remember shit right now. I don't know why. But where Savage Worlds is very streamlined to run anything you want in it, Palladium is like an inch deep and a mile wide. Yeah, see, the easy fix with that is it's it's much like Savage Worlds. You just say, this is what we're playing. This is what you can use. Right. But and everybody that I game with or would game with wouldn't have a problem with that. So, okay. But, None of that matters to me because if I were to use the Rift system, it would I would just be using, much like Savage Worlds, I would just be using it as a rules system to build my world or whatever. And I would use the stuff that's already out there to pull, okay, this is how this works. I like that rule. I'm going to use that for this. But... It would just be a world that I created using those rules, which it's that's kind of like like I like to used to like D and D. I could create a whole world using the rules of D and D, and okay, the rules are there. Let's make a world. Let's do that. You know, it's one of the reasons I like Savage Worlds. You can just create a world. Here's a rule system. GURPS was the same way. Mm. It's just a rule system. You can create whatever world you want. Just here's our rules. Go for it. There's a new edition of Savage Worlds that just came out. I'm not as familiar with that as I was with the previous edition. But with the previous edition of the Savage World rules, you give me a, a like a week and I could run almost anything in it. Mm-hmm. Between finding stuff on the internet and just figuring stuff out, give me a week's lead time and I can run anything in That's Savage That's one of the reasons World. I like Savage Worlds is because they don't care if people do that. You know, it's like, here's the rules... You know, they're they're like, well, somebody will go out and make a whole website. Like they they'll make the you know the Marvel universe with Savage Worlds, and Savage Worlds is like, we don't care. You bought our rules. This is what we designed this game to do. Go for it. Have at it. You know. Come to think of it, I think today was the end of the Kickstarter for the Savage Worlds super powered uh, uh, super powered companion for the new edition. I was going to back that and totally forgot about it. I'll just pick it up when it's in print. Up until then, they only had Necessary Evil, right? Necessary Evil was a a setting. It was its own setting. Yeah, it that was, was the a, one where the, the, the villains took over because somebody right. came along and killed all the heroes. Right, and then they had a superpower companion for the previous edition. Yeah. So this updates the superpower companion to the current edition. Yeah. It's weird because Savage Worlds isn't like first, second, and third edition. It's like there was Savage Worlds, then there was the Savage Worlds Adventurers Edition... Then Deadlands, they came out with its own thing for Savage Worlds. It was still Savage Worlds, but it was they just well, no, took it Deadlands was, and totally poured it over to that. Yeah, it was Deadlands, but completely using the Savage Worlds yeah, rules, which was fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't that didn't bother me. I yeah. just ah, for whatever reason, I just had a hard time. I I liked I love the whole Deadlands world, the whole wild weird west. But for whatever reason, I just could not grasp that system for for the life of me. I just could not grasp the system for whatever. I don't know. I just couldn't do it. And it kind of sucks because I, I, like, a lot of people are like, I hate DMing. I prefer to play. 
Whereas I like DMing. Yeah. I really do. You know, it, it doesn't bother me at all. So I'll play. I, I can have just as much enjoyment from playing, but I prefer to be a DM. I prefer to run the game. Um, and my games, when I run them, are usually, they go all over the map, and they're usually a lot of fun. Um, I, I actually introduced a bunch of my friends into playing role-playing games through Paranoia, which is a really, really wonky system, which really isn't really a system, a rule system. It's, it's a very loosely based rule system, but the world was so fun and crazy it didn't, we didn't really, we didn't really care, you know, they were first time players and a lot of people are like, that's not a real good game to put people into for role playing. I'm like, yeah, it is because there's not a lot of rules to learn. It's more about just having fun and just, you know. Well, if, if I remember correctly, uh, the, the first edition of Paranoia was based off of West End Games D6 system. I don't remember. It's been so long. Uh, which, which, uh, going back to, um, last weekend was Gen Con. And they just they announced at Gen Con that they're bringing back the D like the generic D six rule system. So uh, I don't I'd give know. it a shot. Oh yeah, yeah, I, know, I totally I, play. I, it. I'm, I'm interested to see like if any of the old West End people are attached to it. Um, but yeah, like I loved the D six system. It was incredibly streamlined. You could do anything with it. Um, it didn't handle magic as well as some other systems, but for, like, just a generic non-magic world or, like, a sci-fi system, sci-fi world that didn't have a lot of magic in it, D6 worked pretty damn well. I know that World of Darkness, when they got bought out, that company, as we were talking about earlier, axed the World of Darkness line. Um, but apparently they have somehow gotten the rights back and they did a Kickstarter and they're, they're refiring up the whole world of darkness. So line. yeah, it was world of darkness was by white wolf games, white wolf games. They, they ended the world of darkness, restarted the world of darkness. And people didn't like it. No, the, the hardcore fans did not like it. And that put white wolf. And that put the original publisher, White Wolf Games, into some financial straits. Uh, they eventually, I think, reformed the company under a new name mm -hmm. um, as just either a rebranding or a debt consolidation or something. And now they're publishing 20th anniversary editions of all the World of Darkness and basically saying that, oh, yeah, oh yeah, you remember that reboot of the World of Darkness? That never happened. Which sucks because I've got a lot of books for that world. And I want to run a game in that world. But again, it's like I said earlier, like with GURPS and, and, and Savage Worlds and all these other things, I'm not going to follow the world that they got. I'm just going to use the rules to well, run a game in that so world. That, so that's the funny thing is I'm playing a World of Darkness game with uh, some friends or a werewolf game. with yeah. some, some of my friends of mine using the Werewolf the Apocalypse by White Wolf Games. And it's a little weird because... Those games came out in the 90s, and us using the original rules are so... There has been a giant leap forward in everything since the 90s. So it's like, oh yeah, like a computer costs like $2,000. Well, not really anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cell phones were like only the super rich people had them. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's one of the things of like running a role-playing game in the modern era. You run into the same problem that you have with sci-fi sci movies and stuff like that. Every bit of information you could ever want is available at your fingertips through your cell phone if you're crafty enough. The internet is everywhere. So 
it's not like, you know, unless you're specifically building a game with that in mind, like you're even seeing this with a lot of sci-fi shows and stuff like that. A lot of them are they're setting they're setting them back like in the 90s and stuff before technology wasn't so prevalent well, it, to get it, around a lot of that. It's funny because in the game we're playing, my character is specifically a werewolf who's like kind of a modern day cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. So like I took computer skills and I took all the tech abilities and things like that. Uh, cause he's, uh, he's, he's one of the werewolves who lives on the street. And so he knows computers and with just a little bit of knowledge and skill, the, like the level of skill I took, I've broken the game a couple of times because the old game just cannot handle some of the things you can do with technology now. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, then it's it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Like in a cyberpunk setting, it's so far future that you can make it work there. But right, right. It's like role playing. Well, in a modern well and age. it's funny because even then, like you look at cyber, it, it goes back to uh, Neuromancer, like kind of the birth of modern cyberpunk is even that as being set in the future is dated. Yes, because the future is not what it used to be. Well, right, because. It, William Gibson says the thing he kicks himself the most is not being able to predict the death of uh, payphones. Mm -hmm. um, but like in early 90s cyberpunk, you look back at like old Shadowrun or Cyberpunk 2020 and it's like, ooh, you've got this supercomputer with two gigs of storage. Mm -hmm. And nowadays we're like, man, I got 32 gigs on the micro SD card that's in my phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 curious to see, yeah, you, you know, all where, where this stuff is all going and and how 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 you would deal with the future in the information age. You know, it's kind of like now now like because I the World of Darkness game that I want to run, I'm going to run it in modern times, and I I was planning on allowing the characters at the table to be able to use their cell phones to look up stuff as the way their characters would. So that has to put me on my toes. I'm like, all right, well, if this is going to happen, I need to go out and research everything on the internet that these people are going to find oh, yeah. and how it's going to relate. So, so one of the, one of those, uh, one of the moments where I broke the game was like, I like the GM just never figured out that you can use a cell phone as a super cheap tracking device. Mm -hmm. So he's like, Oh, okay. Well, there's these bad guys. I'm like, okay, well I've got a burner cell phone. I'm just going to turn it on and put it in the back of their car. Like what? Like, yeah, it, it record everything. It can record everything they say. And I will get the exact GPS coordinates of what they're, where yeah, they put are. A tracker on, yeah. You just put an app on your phone. And it's like, he, so he had like this, Oh, you're going to have to do this to find out where the secret layer is. And you're going to have to do tracking. And I'm like, Nope, done. I know exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. It's like, fuck. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of stuff that when I do my modern game, if I ever sit down and actually get get this kind of game together, I'm going to have to do a little bit more legwork, which doesn't bother me because I already, I have a paranormal podcast. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm already pretty familiar with this stuff anyway. So I already know when the player sits down to Google whatever they're running into, what they're going to run into. So I'll already have that baked into the game. Which is why I want to run one of these games because I'm already so familiar with all of this shit. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, but I'm gonna I'll be like, yeah, well, you know, well, how do I find out? Well, have your character use a cell phone, you know? And so if the character, you know, if the player picks up and Google's whatever, I already know what they're going to find, and that'll be baked into the game already. Because, I, but at the same time, 
it's not alienating technology and stuff. It'll bring it into the game right. anyways. So, you know, so if a company at the table actually is a computer expert or knows something about, you know, the stuff, I'm already ready for it to deal with that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it, it didn't help that when I, when I made that character, I had been reading a lot of Cory Doctorow. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got some technology hacks right on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just you have to kind of pre-plan all that stuff and bake it into the game before you do it. And if you're playing a modern setting, which I really haven't paid much attention to, to role-playing game, I, I do want to play D and D again really bad. I've got some people that I want to play with, and I'm I'm kind of interested in playing it. But more or less, I mean, me and you have really been going full tilt. Even Banjo, we've been going full tilt, heading towards Stargrave, the tabletop sci-fi right, you right. know miniature game that we're getting into. And I've also got Frostgrave, which I'm interested in playing with another friend of mine. Um, just because he's got the buildings and stuff like that, and the rule systems work similar, but role playing at this point, it's like getting a group together to role play is really hard. It's like, well, I got the kids on Thursday. Well, I got this on Wednesday. I got you know. Uh, yeah, the 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 person who GMs our White Wolf game just uh, announced he got a new job, and next month or in the next couple of months, he's moving to South Dakota. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're. They're like, well, I got, I can see if I can run by computer, by Skype, and I'm like, yeah, we might be able to do it, but it's, well, that this, we've been playing this game for God almost a year now and didn't get to finish. That happened with the group that I was playing with. One of the guys on the group, the house that we used to play at, he moved north a good a good hour and a half away, and it killed the group. Mm. Like we would meet together, we would get together every other Thursday night, I think it was, and we'd been doing it on and off for years and years. And recently we all got together again to play Gaslands uh, out there. But it was nice just to have everybody together, to have the group back together, the gang back together again. And it's like, God, I wish I wish we could do this more often. I wish we could just... that. So, like, a, around when I was 35, I kind of noticed that. And at that point, I made a hard pivot towards miniature games because it was much easier to get, like... First of all, you don't always need everybody. Yeah. Um, like, we were, we played a Battletech campaign for years, and it's just like, oh, okay, well, who's ever here tonight, we're going to run the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had loosely based story that tied together the mission, and we had role-playing elements to it, but it was mostly us playing Battletech. Yeah. Um, with Stargrave, it's like, okay, well... If, there's a greater scheme in mind. Even though you're just doing miniature battles, there's a greater storyline that you're playing into. Right. You you can play narrative games with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, if you and I have a night where we're together, we can play Stargrave. Mm-hmm. If you and Banjo have a night where you're together, you guys can play Stargrave, and it's not going to affect what happens when you and I play Stargrave. The other thing is, if well, I guess, if I, was, I thought it was a two-on-two, uh, two two, a one-on-one game, but I guess you can play multi-three-player you know, Oh, yeah, yeah, games. yeah. But, like, if you guys come over to my place in the game room, one of us can sit out. Like, I've got no problem sitting out and watching you guys play. It's like playing Blood Bowl or whatever, you know? Or, like, you'd come by, and if we're playing a game, it's nice to have somebody there to run through the rule book and look up rules while you're trying to play the game, mm-hmm. a person sitting out of the game. And that's what's neat about it. You know, we don't have to have a group of players, like five players, to get together and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I miss, I love playing long-form campaigns. I love a story that goes on and on and and evolves by what your characters do. But the sad thing is, where I'm at in life, that just, I don't, it doesn't exist. That's what, you know what, that's, it's funny that you say that. Because me and Banjo, Banjo... 
I love you, man. I know you're listening right now. Banjo is, he's one of these people that will sit down and look at a rule book and make a character a stat driven. Like, like I'm more like, I'll sit down and I'll make like, I don't know, a dwarf warlock or something. You make a character, he makes a stat block. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to sit down and make, I know it's, I know that this combination isn't going to be the best. I know my stats aren't going to be the best. But realistically, I don't care because most games don't last that long when you're playing a role-playing game. You might get five or six sessions in, maybe nine if you're lucky. But after that, eventually it's going to die off. So my character is never going to reach the full potential to have that anyways. I don't make backstories for characters anymore. Like, if anything, it's like a one-paragraph backstory. Yeah, same here. I make a minimal. Most of the time, it's just a concept. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, I'm going to make a thief. Who's like the the thief who's okay with being a thief? Like like he straight out says what he is. He he doesn't like try to hide the fact that he he's a thief. Yeah, we had this conversation. Yeah, and before. he's yeah. he's not in it for money. He's in it for fun. Yeah. Uh, or I'm gonna make the monk who's the the wandering monk who has no love for money and like that's what I did last time. I made a tiefling monk, and Banjo was like, "Why are you the tiefling and monk don't go together? They're usually warlocks." And I'm like. I'm just going to make what I want to make and right. have fun with it. You like know? The, the whole reason I made this monk was because there's a feat called Tavern Brawler, and it gives you the weapon proficiency improvised weapon, which means you can literally pick up anything in the You're world. Jackie Chan. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted yeah. to play Jackie Chan. So we, we'd be like, okay... You're in this. I'm like, what's around? I was like, oh, there's a pot. I'm gonna pick up the pot and start using it as a weapon. And that's fun, you know. It, your character might not be super maximum power, but you're still having fun doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that is kind of missing from role playing games. Like back when we played D and played. I started with Advanced D and D had just came out, and back then it wasn't. It was different back then. You could just make whatever you wanted to make and just play the game to have fun. It wasn't about min-maxing your stats or trying to make the ultimate machine in the game. To, to break. And me and you both have friends that will do this. They'll make the ultimate characters they can to try to break the game. Anyway, we have friends that will make characters to ultimately try to... They'll make super stat characters to try to break the game. And that for them is fun. And for me, it's not. I want to sit down... I don't want to break the game. I want to have fun playing the no. game. Now, granted, I don't get into character. Like my role playing games, we don't get into character. We just sit around and have fun playing the game as friends. It, it's, and yeah. it's like uh, now, now if it's a tabletop game like Gaslands, where there is no narrative, you're just going out there and you're just battling cars against one another and stuff. That's a little bit different. It's so funny because, like in our werewolf game, I specifically made the least, the least werewolfy werewolf ever. Like <laughs> I had, I had almost zero combat abilities. The first time we got into a fight, I botched a roll and knocked myself unconscious. Um, did not have, like, any of the combat abilities. Yeah, but not everybody should be the exact- combat hero. Exactly. I set out to make not the munchkin werewolf. But because I did that, I focused so heavily on skills that I still kind of ended up breaking the game with skills. Yeah, but it's good to have somebody with skills. Right. You can't, like- because... Everybody else who was playing the game made the combat monster. 
I remember a game of Deadlands we were playing years ago, way back when I had my old paintball store. After the store would close, we would play Deadlands in there. And me and you both, you know who this person is, he made a gunslinger. And his whole thing was like, he could shoot the wick off of, which pissed me off, he could shoot the wick off of a stick of dynamite. His, his rules were great. But when they actually came up against something like a ghost that couldn't be shot and couldn't be hurt with bullets... Like, he was like, this sucks, blah, blah, and it's because his character was built to do combat stuff, and it's like, no, this is a situation where you actually have to use your brains, and the whole game just kind of disintegrated because everybody had made these characters that were combat-oriented, and, you know, there was nobody there to deal with other things that would pop up, for the most part, and... There needs to be somebody in the in the group that's like you know like the rogue like the okay you're ta- you're not necessarily combat you can do cool stuff in combat but we need to get this door open we need to get this case open we need to do this we need to get information we need to find this stuff and you know yes the fighter can bash the door open or bash the crate open but there you know everybody everybody should have the role in the group and as a good DM a good DM should be able to compensate and make parts make spaces for those characters right but if everybody makes the combat super battle guy and then they get to a situation it's like all right you need to solve this puzzle your your plus 19 vorpal sword of death and destruction big dickery isn't going to get you through this puzzle so right. now what are you going to do you know so you making a character that's not combat oriented it's like all right you send back see what you can do here we're let these guys go in and take care of this you got to have the brains and the brawl mm-hmm. you know and i don't know man it's just like nowadays like there's not everybody but people that we know are like so stat oriented and they're like well i'm going to take this cuz they'll give me this skill and then this skill there and it's like all right well great but you know let's just sit down and play the game and have fun right i remember we were playing deadlands and banjo made this priest that was crazy, and he had a shotgun, and every time he would refer to a shotgun, he did it great, too. Every time he would refer to a shotgun, he would give it a different name every single time he used his shotgun. And he th- he, was, was, he wasn't the priest, he just, he was crazy and thought he was a priest. And it, it was a great concept. It was one of, the, one of the best, funnest characters I've ever had playing with him in the game. I was like, that's, that's a brilliant concept. He also no, did the min-max thing, but he played the character right. I remember when he made a... Uh a rad mage in Deadlands Hell on Earth, and it was, he was a rad mage, but he thought about his rad magic as the Force. Mm-hmm. And, and so he was like, hmm, I feel a disturbance in the Force. And When we were playing, um, when we were playing, par- uh, oh God, what was it? Um, Paranoia, his character archetype, he's like, yeah, I'm basically, he, he took like a whole bunch of driving skills or something like that. And then he had a whole bunch of these pills that were like uppers. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, my character's basically a, a truck driver meth addict for the most part. <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Uh, oh, but, that, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the fun of playing. It's not necessarily sitting around and trying to make a broken character to break oh, the game. Like specifically going back to our werewolf game, like the one area that I did not have skills was like, we realized that nobody in our, our werewolf, none of the players in our werewolf group had the driving skill. <laughs> Cause my guy was basically, that's why you wanted me to make the truck driver. Didn't yeah. You? Cause my guy was basically homeless. Uh, one of the other guys was a werewolf who was born a wolf. So he couldn't drive a car. Uh, the other guy was from uh, like Japan. So he only ever had public transportation. He didn't have the drive. So like, we're like, who can, who can drive a car? I can't drive a car. I came real close to jumping, because the character concept you described for me, I really liked. And I, I came real close to jumping into that game with you guys. It was just a matter of time and days off and yeah, all that kind of yeah. stuff and making it work. But I, I would have played, because I think you wanted me to make, what was it? My I was going to be a truck driver that was, 
I don't remember what it was. I, yeah. uh, some kind of a Templar that just wandered the country or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to have it like loosely based off of the uh, R.S. Belcher's Brotherhood of the Road. Yeah. Where uh, the Templar knights are the defenders of the road. So they're like truck drivers and cab drivers yeah. and people who are on the road. And I was cool with that concept. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could get into this. And then COVID hit. And you're like, well, come on and play with us. I'm like, nah, dude, COVID's a thing. So I don't know. But and then, you know, now and then my life just went insane. My life just became so incredibly busy. Right. So it never happened. But I, I'd still, if I could, I would jump into that game. Because I'm, I'm very, I'm, I am kind of itching to do some RPing again with some friends. You know, just other than just sitting around and making a game where you blow each other up, you know. Yeah. Granted, it's a lot of fun. But I, I, I am, there's a very strong itch for me to sit down and actually do some RPing. Now, I've got some other friends. There's a whole family of friends that I have. Um, uh, husband, wife, kids, um, and they really want to play D and D, and I kind of want to sit down and start playing D and D with them. It's not something I need to make happen though, and be like, all right, you're all beginning players. You know, I'm also a beginning DM under this new rule system. I could probably, I could probably do 5.0. I don't know it entirely, but I'm sure I could figure it out pretty quickly. And I want to do that because there's that itch there to just sit down and, and RP and have some fun with people, role play. Right, but. I don't know if that's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Right now, we're we're getting ready to jump balls deep into Star uh, to Stargrave. So you know, we're we're getting we're gearing up for it. We're making our are making our teams and all that stuff. So you know, it's we got to see. I mean, you've got a three D printer. I can look over and see all this amazing stuff that you've printed for that game already. You know, spaceships and terrain and all this cool stuff. So. Anyways, um, I think that's pretty much everything. Yeah, I was actually so, just about to. This is a good place for us to wrap it up for the night. So, Final analysis, do go see Shang-Chi just because I was kind of bored with it. It still wasn't a bad movie. It's very much a kung fu movie. It pays a lot of tribute to the kung fu movies that we used to watch on Saturday mornings, like Wu-Tang Clan and all that stuff. There's a lot of that in there. (laughs) Wu-Tang Clan? Sure, I'll go with it. Just anyways, you know what I'm saying. They are, in fact, nothing to fuck with. Yes, they are. But um, what if surprisingly better than i thought it was going to be though very dark um the thor party thor episode was fantastic uh hawkeye's coming up next month in november the previews for that look okay it's it's different but Mm -hmm. that's that's how the marvel shows work everyone is different from the one that came before it i do want to openly air bitch that when dune comes out this is we were going to have a big show meetup for dune that was the plan we're going to try to figure out a date and say hey everybody we're going to be at this movie theater. If you're a local, come down and hang out with us. And I'm going to be in Vegas when Dune debuts. And I'm like, will you wait till I get back to go see it? And your response was, no, fuck you. I'm going to go see Dune. So I, I know you're a rat bastard, but you said you would go see it again. But I, I would kind of like to be there. I'm still going to try to pull it off. So me and you may go see Dune, and then maybe we'll see it again with everybody if we can. But <clears throat> Now, uh, one thing I do want to mention is... Uh, a feature that was added to Facebook, uh, actually just yesterday I got an email about it, is you can now get our podcast directly through uh, the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook page. Not the group, but the actual page for Old Nerds Drinking. Our podcast is now available directly to listen through that. Um, well, you post links to every episode on the Facebook page anyways, don't you? I do. Yeah. Um, so, but that's just now another way where if you find the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook page, you can get the podcast directly through that. Um, you can find us at the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook page. You can find us at the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook group. 
Come for the podcast, stay for the memes. Um, I'm also trying to get the uh, Old Nerds Drinking Instagram going a little more, so feel free to look for us at Old Nerds Drinking on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us a, uh, an email at oldnerdsdrinking at gmail.com. But I'm John Patrick, the Master Control Program. And this is Rojan. My other show is Project Archivist. It's been on a slight hiatus for a couple of months. I will be firing it back up, hopefully at the end of October, definitely by November. I'm already starting to book guests for that show. Spoiler alert, I will be having an interview with the person who runs weekly, uh, the... Oh my God, what the hell was it called? The Weekly Weird News? What was it called? No. Weekly uh, World News? Weekly World News. Remember the old black and white paper? Oh, yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Bat yeah. Boy. Yeah, the Bat Boy fought in West Virginia Cave. They are definitely for sure coming on the show. I'm going to be doing an interview with them. That is one. Of, that is the next major interview I got coming up. Um, so yeah, uh, drop over and check out Project Archivist, projectarchivist.com. Um, and with that... End of line. Over? Did you say Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Sherman, forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're good, streaky! Please disperse. Nothing to see here, please.